Good morning, church. How's it going? I see David's alive back there. How about the rest of y'all? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Those of you at home, my name is Stephen uh, Pollitt. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Gateway. I'm so excited to be able to be bringing this word to you guys this morning. Blake and Sean um, had the opportunity. They, they drove Autumn uh, to College Station on Friday to drop her off for college. So you can be in prayer for them, but it's an exciting time. Yeah, we can clap for Autumn going to college. That's, that's good. Um, so be praying for them. And um, also be praying for me because, as y'all know, um, I've been on a sabbatical majority of the summer, so I've spent most of my summer fishing, and it's been great. So I'm a little rusty, so I'm sorry if I uh, mess up, fall off the stage, or, or trip on something. But um, we're going to dive into this, and I'm so excited. If you have your Bibles, um, we're going to be in Romans 1. So you open up your Bibles to Romans 1, open up at home to Romans 1. And Romans is my favorite book in the Bible, has been um, since I've become a believer. And I love it because the entire book is about salvation. It's about how we understand the fullness of who God is and the extent of grace to us. I, I, I love it. And as I dive into it, you know, one of my favorite um, stories about Martin Luther, so he actually came to, to know who Jesus Christ really was and the ex extent of God's grace through reading Romans. And so the story goes, uh, Martin Luther uh, was really wrestling with, is, do my works, is that what saves me, or is it faith alone? And he, he really couldn't grasp it, but he had this desire to want to please God, and so he was so afraid that God um, would turn his back on him that every single day he would go into confession, and the priests um, would hear his confession, but it got to a point where he would come and he would spill every thought that he had, he, every, every um, thing that he's done throughout that day, and he would spill his, guts, his, spill his guts, and the confession would go on forever. So it got to the point where the priests would see Martin Luther walk into the chapel and they would run and hide because nobody wanted to hear Martin Luther because that's how he felt he was earning his salvation to be able to share, this is how I failed, until he read Romans and then understood the fullness of that free gift that is nothing that we can earn, but it is a gift that is given. And so we're going to dive into a lot of that today. And Augustine came to, to know the fullness of who God was through Romans. And I love it. It's my favorite book because I got to know the fullness of the power of God because of this book. So I'm so excited that we get to dive into this first chapter today because we're in a series and this series is all about encouragement. We wanted um, to encourage you guys as believers. Um, and there, there's nowhere better than I can draw encouragement from than, than Romans 1. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read uh, the, the first seven verses, and then 8 through 17, we're going to tear apart verse by verse. There, there's no better way to go through Romans than really look verse by verse and see what is going on. So I'm going to set the stage for you. What's happening here is Paul is writing a letter to the Roman believers. And he's expressing his desire to go to Rome. What I find totally amazing uh, about that is that he's expressing his desire to go to the place where he knows he's going to be persecuted and eventually that's where he's going to be killed, is in Rome. And that's his desire. That's where he wants to go. He wants to be with the believers and the things that are happening in Rome. And so he's starting to hear back from the people at Rome. It's like, I, I, you know, Paul, we know that you're probably afraid to come to Rome. You, you know, you, you're sharing your faith with you know, the Gentiles. You're sharing your faith with the, 
the barbarians and the Greeks, and you know, they're not as, as wise as us here in Rome. And so we know it's a little scary for you to, to think that you can come to Rome and do the same things that you're doing somewhere else. And this is Paul's rebuttal um, to them. And the things that I want you to really grasp onto is what we're going to look at is what it really looks like to mutually encourage one another as believers to live where we're at. So right now we are, we are stuck in the middle of a pandemic. It is hard. And no other time in our history have we ever had to really face something together like this. And so God has something big for us. So we're going to look at what it looks like to reap the harvest right now when things are difficult. And we're going to look at the righteousness of God and the extent of that righteousness. So that's the three things we're really going to, to look at. But really what I want to talk about is what it looks like to mutually encourage one another. And so I have twin boys, Caleb and Caden, and I've gotten to witness firsthand what it really looks like to mutually encourage uh, one another, and sometimes what it looks like to mutually fight with one another as well. And so I get to see that a lot with my boys, but this week I got to see it on display unlike ever before. So they started school this week at Smith uh, right across the parking lot, and they had an amazing first week. I was fully expecting them to come home each day from school because they've never had to wake up this early before and get going. Normally it is the beating of a lifetime to wake them up and comb their hair and get them dressed and get them breakfast. They fight against it so much. Um, but for whatever reason, we woke up Thursday morning and they're ready to go. Comb my hair, get my breakfast, let's go, we'll hit the road. And they were excited. Um, and so Natalie drives them to school and, and she drops them off and gets out of the van with them. And she took a picture. There's a picture of Caleb walking through the front doors and Caden uh, just two steps behind him. And so th this happens frequently, a lot of times with twins, uh, depending on the, the situation. But Caleb was so excited to go to school, but Caden had a little bit of hesitancy. But the thing that pushed Caden through that door is to see his brother walking through that door as well. And so he drew encouragement from that. And then as little as yesterday, so uh, about a week ago, I don't know if you all know this, but like, you know, wasps can build their nests like underground. I always thought like their, their, their uh, hives and stuff were in trees and stuff like that. They can build their hives in the ground. And so I go outside and I'm turning my water sprinkler on and I'm messing with one of the valves. And after about 30 seconds, I feel like this stinging on my arm. And then there's 50 wasps all around me and I get stung 12, 13 times on my arm, my leg. It feels like I've been hit by a Mack truck and my boys are just in terror. Like from then on, they had zero desire to ever go into the backyard. And so as a, you know, how a good husband and father does. I went to Home Depot and I bought like 14 things of wasp spray and I just lit up the backyard. I just <laughs> demolished everything and I killed all those wasps and now my boys were, got to the point where they're okay, we can go outside to play. And so yesterday, as y'all know, it's like 106 degrees and I turn on the sprinklers so they can jump on the trampoline with the, the sprinklers on and there's one uh, wasp left and there was a dragonfly and my son Caleb freaked out. He's on the trampoline, and they're buzzing around, and he is as far away as he can get up against the, uh, up against the net. And he is, I thought the cops were going to be called because I think they thought that I was killing children in the backyard. Um, but he's just screaming and it's sobbing. And Caden is laughing his head off. Like, <laughs> thinks it's the funniest thing, but he's also right next to him in the net. 
And so I go, boys, I can't get on that. Like, I have to unzip the thing. I can't physically, because I'm old, get on this trampoline and get you off. So, and the, the sprinklers were on. I didn't want to get wet. And so I was like, <laughs> just come to the net. Come to the zipper, and I will we'll let you out. And Caden makes a beeline. He jumps, and I grab him, put him down, and he runs in. And because Caden ran, Caleb was okay. And he ran to me. So we, I get to see what it really looks like um, to mutually encourage. And since I'm talking about my boys, I get to brag a little bit. Caleb hit a grand slam in his t-ball game yesterday. Caden hit well. And Graham, I see you over there. You did awesome yesterday as well. Graham's on their team also. So I get to brag on, on all of them a little bit since I'm up here and I have a microphone. So y'all got to hear about it. Um, so let's dive into to Romans 1. And verse 1 says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by the res- resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all of those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul starts this letter and he's writing to let them know... this is it, we mutually encourage one another. We know who Jesus Christ is. He set out this ministry for us. And so he's establishing in these first seven verses this greeting. And this greeting is amazing to me because Paul has experienced a lot. Paul has experienced a ton in ministry, but he still has this desire to speak to those in Rome and to continue on with the, the ministry um, uh, of, that Jesus Christ has given him. Paul is answering the Roman people who are saying, Paul, we know you're afraid to come to Rome. He's answering them and saying, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I hear the things that are going on and I want to encourage you. I want to, to, to lift you up. I want you to keep doing the things you're doing. But remember, it's Jesus Christ who's called us all into this ministry. Now we're going to go verse by verse the rest of the way out. And in verse 8, It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So in verse 8, he establishes this thing. I want to thank God. I want to thank Jesus Christ because the things that are happening in Rome are amazing. And again, it's the, the believers in Rome that are telling Paul, it's like, I know you're afraid to come this way. I, I, you know, I, we get it. You know, this is the best place in the world to be. Um, but, you know, it's a little challenging because we're the smartest people in the world. And so there's a, there's a little bit of pride coming from those who live in Rome because of where they're from. And Paul answers them back. He goes, I thank Jesus Christ for you because the things that are happening in Rome are absolutely amazing. I've traveled the world, and everywhere I go, I hear of the believers that are coming to faith in Jesus Christ in Rome. It's an amazing thing. And so what we really learn from in just verse 8 in this sentence is that salvation... And our desire to know Jesus more is something that, that is supposed to be celebrated. He says, I thank God for the things that are happening in Rome because it's being spread throughout the world. The things that are happening in this one city are, is establishing our faith everywhere else that we go. So let's celebrate exactly who Jesus Christ is and what He's done for us. 
So what we have to learn through that is this desire that we should have to lead others to Christ, celebrate who Jesus Christ is and what he's done, and then also step forward into ministry that God is calling us to do something amazing. And we get to celebrate it, that, that so much so that the things that God is doing in Wiley, Texas, the rest of the world can hear about it. The things that he's doing right here at Gateway Community Church is to be celebrated and that other believers can be encouraged by the things that are happening right here. So there's a, when I was early on in ministry, um, first starting off in student ministry, I was 21, 22 years old. It was my first ever summer camp that I took a group of students to and went to Falls Creek, Oklahoma. And not only was it my first summer camp that I've taken students to, it was my first summer camp ever. I never experienced this growing up um, in, in Kentucky. We didn't have summer camps the way that they do um, in, in Texas and New Mexico and all these, like, this is like the summer camp capital of the world, like the amazing things that can happen. I, I never knew exactly what it was, but Falls Creek, Oklahoma um, was extremely unique. Um, so much so it's like that we had two ponds, and so there was a, a girls' pond where all the girls went swimming, and then there was a guys' pond where all the guys went swimming, and of course the guys, we had to wear 14 t-shirts and socks to go swimming because nobody could see any skin because it was, you know, we're Baptists, um, and that's how we go swimming. And they had this thing where we would have worship every single night called the Tabernacle. And it was a, a open air, but it was covered um, stage area. And that's where we would have worship every single night. And, you know, to be the good Baptist that we were, we would wear button-up shirts and we wore blue jeans, even though it was 147 degrees outside. Um, and we would go there every single night. It was, it was amazing to me. But leading up to going to Falls Creek, Oklahoma... We had a student in the student ministry that started coming to church. And this kid, his name was Nick, and he would show up for church on Wednesdays. He would show up for church on Sundays, and he'd always have his hat down over his eyes. And I would see him come up, and I'd be like, Nick, it's so good to see you. And he'd always bury his head, and he'd say, sup. And then he'd go sit at the back of the room, and he'd have his arms crossed. And I was like, there, there's no other way that I can describe Nick other than Nick was kind of a jerk. And everybody knew it. Like, he, he sold drugs. He, would, he did everything that you're not supposed to do. Nick would find it, and it would drive me nuts because he'd walk in with his hat over his eyes, and, and, and he would barely talk to me. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm pretty cool, and I'm nice to talk to. And Nick would not talk to me. And so it drove me nuts. And we get closer and closer to um, time to go to summer camp in Falls Creek. And lo and behold, Nick signs up for summer camp. So he's coming to Falls Creek, and I was like, this is going to be a terrible idea. So he's not going to say a single word to me. Um, but he comes, and then, you know, I learned a lesson at this first summer camp, and I established a rule after this camp. It's like, no pranks at summer camp. Can't do pranks anymore. But uh, I allowed these sweet little junior high girls to play a prank on the high school boys. And what they did is they went and stole all the high school boys' clothes and went and hid them somewhere. And in my head, as being 21, 22 years old, I was like, this is hilarious. This is the funniest thing I've ever, ever seen before. Well, the high school boys did not think it was funny. And so they come back and they go into their, their little dorm areas and they can't find their clothes. And Nick comes out and he's, you know, he's only said sup the entire time I've known him. And now he's using words that not only do you not say in church, you don't say anytime. And he is hot. And I was like, Nick, what's the deal? And he goes, they took my $150 designer jeans. I was like, 
Jeans cost $150? This was my first church job, and I made $600 a month. The fact that jeans could cost $150 is problematic in my mind, to, to say the least. And he wants his $150 jeans, and the jerk side of Nick came out. And he was saying things he shouldn't say. The, the whole reason why I was afraid for him to be at camp was happening before my eyes, all because I let these little 12-year-old girls play a prank on the high school boys. Well, a couple days after this prank, I go on a hike with Nick, and Nick opens up to me, starts to express the trouble that he has at home, his parents being divorced. Uh, he starts to express the trouble um, that he has at school, the uh, trouble that he has with friends, the, the, the drug issues that he has. Uh, and he goes, Stephen, I don't know what else to do other than give my life to Jesus. It's, I've done everything else but that. And so, Jesus, and so Nick became a Jesus, Jesus follower in that moment. We walk down, we go to Tabernacle, and we get to experience worship, and then we go back to our church time. And I got to share with the entire kids at camp that Nick had become a believer. And it was amazing. Kids were doing cartwheels, backflips. They were telling, like, we had a megaphone. We let everybody know that Nick had become a believer. And so that's, that's the way our faith is supposed to be. We're supposed to be excited about the things that God is up to. To encourage one another to reap the harvest and understand the righteousness and, and where it comes from. It goes on in verse 9. It says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at least succeed in coming to you. So this is Paul. He's expressing to the Romans that I, my desire is to be there. That's I want to be in Rome. Trust me, there's no other place that I would rather be than Rome. That's my desire to be there. And so he's adamant about his prayer and his desire to be at this place because he wants to see what he's hearing about. Like he said, the things that are happening in Rome, the people all across the world are starting to hear about it. And Paul goes, I want to go see. I want to be a part of that. And so, so I'm praying without ceasing to come and be a part of the things that you're doing. And so the thing that we really need to, to really grasp hold of is that, that we need to pray for our believers. We need to lift up the desires that we have in ministry. We need to give those things to God. It's time to stop talking about them. It's time to step into a place where God is calling us into action. This is my desire. This is where I want to be, so I'm going to pray about it without ceasing. And Paul's adamant about that prayer. In verse 11 and 12, it says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. He says, I long to see you. I'm not afraid to go to Rome. I'm not afraid to go to this place. This is where I actually, this is where I desire to be. And I want to be there so that I can impart the spiritual gifts that God has gifted me into you and that I can glean from you as well. That I can learn and, and be encouraged by the things that you have to tell me. So our faith is not just about what happens on Sunday morning, whether we're watching in this room or whether we're watching in our living room. We're to be excited about the power of God and the things that he's up to. 
We're to be able to share the things that God has equipped us to do with those that are around us and mutually encourage one another. You know, we have a, a couple ministries here uh, over the past couple years that we've been able to launch. One is Regeneration, and Chris Stovall leads that one with an amazing group of leaders. Another ministry is called Reengage, um, and Kevin and Sarah Ron lead that with some amazing leaders, and they do an amazing job. And part of what my role here at the church is, I get to encourage them as as they are are doing this ministry and, and, and that they are focusing on the health of the marriages of our church and Chris is focusing on the health and mental health of the people that, that um, are in this community. I get to hear about their ideas and their desires um, and, and where their wishes are, where that ministry might go, and I get to encourage them. And then I get to learn from them as well. There's no better example for me to think of what it really looks like to be mutually encouraged than the story that I get the opportunity to lock arms with people like Kevin and Sarah, with Chris Stovall, with our Connect Group leaders, with our staff, the people that I get to, to preach God's Word to. I love that opportunity. And my desire is, is as a church, that we all love those opportunities that we have to serve Jesus Christ in a unique way that we can mutually encourage and lift up one another to do what God has called us to do as a church. In verse 13, it says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I might reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So Paul lets them know again. He goes, I don't want you to be unaware. My desire is to be with you, but the fact of the matter is, where I am right now, there's a harvest to reap. God is up to something big, and this is where God wants me. Even though my desire is to be in Rome, God's desire is to have me exactly where I'm at, preaching the gospel, the gospel to the barbarians and to the Gentiles, and leading them into faith. I love verse 13, he says, because even though I desire to be in Rome, there's a harvest exactly where I'm at, and this is what God has for me. So here's the deal. We've been in the midst of this pandemic for five, six months, and it has been challenging. It's been more challenging for, for some than others, but we're all facing the same challenge together. I can't think of any other time when we're all collectively facing something exactly the, at the same time in the same way. And here's the deal. Y'all have to understand this, that God is up to something huge right now. As much as I want this pandemic to end, as much as I would love for it to be gone tomorrow, the fact of the matter is my God is so big, He's up to something huge, and there's a harvest to be reaped right now. And so the question that you have to ask yourself, are you reaping the harvest of what's happening right now, or are you complaining about the things that are happening right now? Are you reaping the harvest of what God can do in your life right now, or are you frustrated about the things that are happening right now? So one of the reasons why I love Paul so much, he's letting them know, I have a desire to be at Rome. That's where I want to be. But his desire does not supersede God's will. So he says, this is where I'm called to be, reaping the harvest. So again, church, 
Are you reaping the harvest of where you are right now? Are you taking full advantage of sharing your faith, sharing the gospel, sharing the truth, lifting up your kids, investing in your kids unlike you've ever been able to invest before? Are you reaping the harvest right now? Even though we desire to be on the other side of this thing, God is up to something now. And are we reaping that harvest? In verse 14 it says, I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. He says, I'm eager to go to Rome to preach the gospel because I know what God has called me to do. He says, God's called me to preach the gospel to those who haven't heard who Jesus Christ is. He says, so I'm eager to go to Rome and be a part of the thing that the whole world is talking about. But he says, I'm under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. So what Paul sees the opportunity that he's facing right now, he sees it as a debt to owe to the people that he's ministering to in the moment. He's got the truth of the gospel to share to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and both to the, the, the foolish. He sees the ministry opportunities that he has as a debt to owe, not to receive salvation, but to, to pursue God in a way where he gives everything he has to him. So he goes, that's why I'm not in Rome yet. Even though that's where I want to be, I have a debt to owe to the people that I'm serving right now. Who are you serving right now? Right now, who are you investing in? Who are you pouring into in the midst of this challenging time? Who are you encouraging? Who are you lifting up? Who are you teaching about Jesus Christ? In verse 15, it says, So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So Paul's desire is not top priority. Even though his desire is to go to Rome, God's will supersedes his desire. God's will is to have him exactly where he is at. I'm telling you, church, Wiley, Texas, in this hot day in August, is exactly where God would have you right now? Are you reaping that harvest? Verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to also the Greek. So what we start to see in verse 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And what we can look at there is you can take that two ways. It could be that, that we're not ashamed because we have courage, because we know who God is, or Paul's not ashamed because he has confidence in the power of God. He's not ashamed because he's seen God at work. If you have salvation, if you've come to know who Jesus Christ is, you've seen the power of God firsthand. Therefore, we're not ashamed of who Jesus Christ is. And it's a confidence that we have in the power of God. The Greek word dunamis um, is what we find in verse 16. And it means power. It's actually where we get the English word dynamite. And so it's a significant thing. So I'm going to read it again. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to, to the Jew first and to also the Greek. The power of God is why we're not ashamed of who He is. The power of God is why we do the things we go to. In 2 Timothy, Paul's writing a letter to Timothy. He says, Join me in my suffering. 
Paul doesn't write the letter and says, join me while I go play golf. Join me in why things are so amazing um, and, and we get to go to a nice restaurant. He says, join me in my suffering and it's worth it because the dunamis, the power of God. It's such a weird concept that I can't imagine myself ever writing a letter saying, things are brutal. This is awful. Things are terrible, but God's at work, so come in and join me. It's what Paul is telling to the Roman people. He says, I'm not ashamed because I have confidence in the, the will of God. If I didn't have confidence in the will of God, then I wouldn't be what I'm doing what I'm doing. So again, understanding the power of God and where we are is extremely important. Verse 17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteousness, the righteous shall live by faith. So really what we're going to look in here is we're going to look at what righteousness really is. We understand that we have to mutually encourage one another as believers. We understand that no matter how difficult the situation is that we find ourselves in, Paul writes to Timothy, Timothy, join me in my suffering. No matter how challenging it is right now, we're saying join me in what we're doing right now. So we mutually encourage and we reap the harvest of the things that are happening right now. And in order to do those things, in order to fully mutually encourage one another, in order to fully reap the harvest of what God has for each and every one of us, we have to understand that the righteousness that we have, it comes from God. That self-righteousness doesn't cut it. There's nothing that Stephen Pollock could ever do to obtain salvation on my own, but it is fully through the free gift of Jesus Christ in understanding what he did on that cross. This was the most amazing, beautiful, incredible thought of all time that, Melissa, God would look at you and he would say, give me your sin and you take my righteousness. God looked at us face to face. He says, no matter what you've done, you give me your sin. And in return, I give you my righteousness. So in the bulletin, that, that you, the electronic bulletin you can find, there's, there's a question that I put there. Is that how could a perfect God allow imperfect people into heaven and still be perfect? How he accomplished that is he took his perfection, his righteousness, and he took our sin and he swapped. And he became fully man. And the wrath of God fell on Jesus' shoulders on that cross. In order for us to truly be able to encourage one another, in order for us to fully reap the harvest, we have to understand the most beautiful thought of all time is not that, that God's people can obtain faith on their own, that as long as we go to church on Sunday, as long as we read our Bibles, as long as we do the things, as long as we swim in two different swimming holes at Falls Creek Baptist Encampment. It's not that at all. The righteousness of God is God saying, give me your sin, you take my righteousness. So church, this is the greatest thought in human history. And we get to live that thought daily if we really know who Jesus Christ is. If we've exchanged that sin for righteousness. So again, the three things that I really want you to dive into as we leave here today. How are you encouraging one another? 
those that are doing ministry, those that are sharing their faith? How do you lift up and, 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 and encourage one another? Do you fully understand that no matter how challenging the times are that we're facing right now, that the power of God is still at work and there is a harvest to be reaped. And the only way that we can do that is understanding that self-righteousness doesn't cut it. That self-righteousness doesn't work. Martin Luther understood it through reading Romans. Augustine understood it through reading Romans. I understood it through reading Romans. So Paul's telling the Roman people, even though that's the place where he's going to be persecuted, even though it's the place where he's going to eventually die, he says, that's my desire, to be with you for those that, that, that are leading others to Christ, that the whole world is hearing about it. And it happens because God said, give me your sin, here's my righteousness. So if you're watching at home today, if you're in this room right now, one of my, my biggest challenges that I face as a pastor right now is I, I love people being able to come forward and receive prayer. I love the altar call portion of, of church. And it's sad to me that we, we don't get to experience that because of what we're facing. But here's the thing. I, I say this often. There's nothing supernatural about this altar, but there's something amazingly supernatural about my God and Jesus Christ who I serve. And so if you're at home watching right now, if you're in this room right now and you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that you will come to know who he is, that you'll put everything that you are into the relationship with God. And how you can do that today and how you can let us know is that text response to the number that you'll see on the screen. If you're in this room, you can text response to the number that you see on the screen as well. There's no better time than now to understand that self-righteousness doesn't work, but God wants your sin so he can impart his righteousness to you. And I pray that you'll be bold enough to do that today. Some of you know exactly who Jesus Christ is and that you've come to salvation years ago, but you're struggling in the midst of this time. Please let us know. This is a time to respond. There's nothing supernatural about this altar, but there's something amazingly supernatural about my God. And he's wanting you to give whatever burdens you're carrying to him. If he can gift us salvation, he can carry our burdens. So I pray that you respond today. Let's pray. Lord, I just come before you today. I thank you so much the opportunity we get to dive into your word, that we get to study Romans together, the text that, that, that brought Martin Luther into a saving salvation, the text that brought Augustine into a saving relationship with you, the text that revealed to us that self-righteousness doesn't cut it. Lord, I pray that, that that revelation comes on those who don't know who you are today. Lord, I pray that everyone in this room and everybody watching from home understands that we're to encourage one another. I pray that everybody in this room and everybody watching from home understands that there is a harvest to be reaped. No matter how much we want this to be over, God is up to something big and the power of God is huge. And Lord, most importantly, let us understand that it is not our righteousness, but your righteousness that saves us. In Jesus' name. Amen.